Thank you, Noah. That is awesome. Oh, man. I love our worship team. Anybody else? Amen? Yeah. Oh, so good. Well, good morning, good morning, and welcome. Good morning. My name is uh, Steve Case. I'm one of the board members here. This isn't a sweat rag. This is, uh, if any of you uh, don't feel out of your, like, altruistic heart to donate blood, did you know that you get, don't be cold-blooded, it's Shark Week? So you get a Shark Week? Red Cross? Man, we, 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 take, we take the blood seriously here at the Point Church, absolutely. Well, good morning again. Um, my name's Steve Case. I'm uh, one of the board members here at the church and uh, serve on the teaching team. And we're launching a new series today, uh, Find and Follow. It's, it's all about God's call for all of us to have a role in helping people find and follow Jesus. And today, I want to talk about the role specifically of the church in that. But, but before we get there, I, w- I want to know, anybody not here, I'm going to preface this, not here at the point, but anyone ever had an awkward church experience? Oh man, everyone's afraid. Oh wow, okay, the hands came up, yes. So I got I to gotta tell you, um, I came to Christ when I was 16 years old at a Campus Life Youth for Christ event. And, and after I did that, um, I realized I don't have a church, and I want to learn more about God, learn more about what he wants for my life, so I need to find a church. And my girlfriend at the time, which is now my wife, uh, Karen, she, she was like, well, just come to my church. Well, she had been going there since she was an infant. It was her family's church, like all those ties. I'm like, no, no, I got to do this on my own, right? I got to discover God on my own, learn And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to get up on a Sunday morning, and I'm just going to randomly find a church, right? (laughs) Some chuckles, this might not be a great idea. Uh, So so what I did is I I drove into town. We lived out in the country, drove into town. And, I mean, I drove by like four or five churches, worked up the courage to, to pull into a parking lot and immediately pulled back out. I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to go through with this because, you know, that's, I'm going it alone, right? And, uh, and I finally worked up the courage, and I pulled into this, this small church on a side street because the sign said service starts at 930, and I looked, and it was 935. So I thought, oh, this is perfect, right? I get to, to go in after service started, last one in, first one out, invisible. You all know what I mean, right? right? And, and so, so, I, so I was like, all right, I parked. Didn't see that many cars, but really didn't register. And, uh, and, I, and I went to the door, and I went, right? <laughs> Loudest door ever. And that loud, squeaky door opened right up into the sanctuary. <laughs> and eight people immediately turned around and were staring at me. Oh, no, I mean all eight people. There were only eight people there, the pastor and seven people seated, and now they're all staring at me. And my fight or flight kicked in. I'm like, oh, gosh, what do I do? I'm like, can I run to my car? It's like, no, 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 I'm going to go. So I, so I did the uh, I'm sorry salute, you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's essentially you lift up your shoulders, you shrink your neck, and you go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I kept sl- doing that until I got to the last pew, and I, and I slunk down in there, and I sank as deep as I could. But you know what? The pastor went back to talking, and that whole service, someone had their eyes on me the entire time. Just keep turning around. And did I mention I was, I was the youngest in there by about 50, 60 years? And they just kept, kept looking at me, right, surveilling me. And, and, and that's not it. It got even awkwarder because the pastor would, again, I, I had not been raised in church. And so the pastor read from the Bible. Oh, by the way, 
The pastor was the only one who didn't make eye contact with me because he had his head down the whole time. And, and he, would, he would read from the Bible and then the congregation would recite something back to him in unison after each passage, which I've been to churches that do that. That's, that's, that's pretty normal. But then he would go to another book sitting right next to the Bible and he'd read from that. And then those seven people in, in the congregation would recite something back to him again. I have no idea what they were saying, but they would say something back to him. And I very quickly realized they're holding this other book to the same esteem and authority as the Bible. And I'm thinking, what have I got myself into? Like, am I at a church or a cult, right? And then it occurred to me, uh, if they're a cult, they're really horrible at recruiting, so it's probably not a cult. But, but I'm sitting there, and, and I, can't, I could not tell you a single thing that pastor said. I just know that he said, and let us pray. And I went, thank you, Jesus. And, and, and we went to prayer, and I'm thinking, okay, this, the timing's gonna be great. He's gonna say amen, I'm gonna say amen, and I'm gonna out the door, right? He says amen, and I get up. Two men in, in, in like stealth mode while we were in prayer. They got up, and they blocked the door. I'm, I mean, in reality, they were going to greet people as they were leaving, right? But to me, to me, I'm now walled in. And so I go, and I try, and they do. They stop me. And, and again, these folks, to me, you know, I'm 16. They're they're 50, 60 years older than me, and so it's like an apocalyptic zombie movie where they're all coming in, even the pastor, and they're like, how are you? Where did you hear from us? Why are you here? And I'm like, ah! You know, and, uh, and you know, I, I, they were very nice. They were, they were too nice, but they were very nice, and, and eventually I got out of there, and, and needless to say, the very next week, I went to church with my girlfriend, now wife, and I've been with her every Sunday since to keep me safe. <laughs> I mean, it's... You know, but, but honestly, some of you can relate to some of those awkward church experiences. Again, not here at the point, I hope. But, but you know, especially if you're not raised in the church, it can, be, it can be different. I know, I remember my wife and I, we moved to a new city probably 20 years ago. And, you know, we, we did the kind of greet and everything. We filled out some things. We got home from church, and they had put a loaf of bread on our doorstep. And I'm thinking, that's aggressive, that's aggressive. We gave them our address. What's next? I mean, that was before we even got home. That's, wow, that's unbelievable. But seriously, I mean, churches come in, in all shapes and sizes, and, and we really should all have one single common goal, but, but there are churches that deal in truth, and unfortunately, there are churches that don't. And, and, and so launching this series, this Find and Follow series, it's a four-week series, where we're going we're gonna to talk about our role in helping people find and follow Jesus. And when I say our role, we're talking about each and every one of us. But we wanted to start talking about what's the church's role? Because I think it's a question that we all too often skip over. What is the church's role in all of this? In the sense of, you know, what's the purpose of church? Why do we go to church? Why does the church exist? Because all too often we think the church is a place you go to. It's a building uh, some of us think, you know, you can, you can end up thinking it's a pastor, it's a specific person. Some of us, we might think it's an obligation. So what is church? What makes a church a church? And, and, and so we're going to dive into that. And I want us to start in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, because it, it, this, is, this is kind of the clearest description of what a church is and should be, Okay. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, it says, they, they is all of us, 
all of us. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, teaching, in the sense of this is, they, they were preaching the word before there was an actual Bible, right? And they, they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, fellowship, doing life together, gathering together, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, prayer, calling out to God. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, helping and serving those in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together, small groups, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. In the last sentence, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Added to their number daily those who were being saved. So let's unpack that. What is the purpose of church? Well, there's actually three purposes, and I love how it's uh, stated in, in, a, in a book called Systematic Theology, and it talks about the three purposes of church. The first purpose is ministry to God through worship. Ministry to God through worship. And, and, and you might hear that and you might think, I mean, God is God. We don't have to minister to God, but actually that's why God created us. God created us to worship him. God created us to honor him. And so when we're here on Sundays and, and we're doing this amazing worship, like Noah can even sing, really? Unbelievable. But, but when we're doing this amazing worship, we are, we are worshiping God. We are doing it for God. That's the first and foremost purpose. The second purpose is ministry to believers through nurturing. Ministry to believers through nurturing. And this is that, that all of us, if, if we have, have called Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior and we recognize his authority over our lives, we all have some growing to do. We all start as born again, as infants, and we have to understand the word, who Jesus is, who God is, what the Trinity is, and, and what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And we have to understand all of that so that we can grow so that we can grow in our faith, right? It's actually, if you look at um, Ephesians 4, 11 through 14, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The role of the church is to help all of us mature through the nurturing and care and biblical teaching because then, and the passage continues, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. When you step into a church that says the, there's another work equal to the Bible, we have to grow to be mature to know that that is not true. Truth is here. Truth is in God's word, right? And so we have to minister to each other in nurturing spirit. That's the role of the church. And then third, and where we're going to land, is ministry to the world through evangelism. Ministry to the world through evangelism. And back in Acts chapter 2, it says that when we're together in unity, the Lord added to their number daily 
those who were being saved. Added to their number daily, those who were being saved. And, and honestly, what we're, what we're talking about now is, you know, the church exists to bring God to the culture, not the other way around. All too often, we allow the culture to inform our view of God, our experiences to inform our view of God. But the church is designed so that we all can come here, learn truth, understand who God is, and take that out into the world. Uh, I love in, in the first verse of the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark, it, it, it says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. The good news. So many places in the New Testament, the Gospel is referred to as the good news. And, and the writers were, were, were very intentional in using that word. The, the Greek is euangelion. Euangelion. And and it, it literally translates to good news, but it's the context in which it was used. Because back then, when, when a city or a city-state would go to war, when they would go to war and they would fight a distant battle, they would send a messenger, and that messenger was called an evangelos. And that messenger would come running into town, and as, as he ran into town, he would yell, Euangelion, Euangelion, and it meant victory. Good news. I have good news. We are winning. We won the battle. We have victory in battle. And it's very intentional to use that word because, because God knows that we are in the midst of a battle. We are in the midst of a cultural war. We are, as a church body, we are called to take the good news out to the culture, out to the world. You on Galleon. And that is where we get evangelism and evangelists because that's what we're called to do in the Great Commission. Jesus could not be more clear in Matthew 28. He says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So a church, a healthy church, has to be focused on worshiping God, has to be focused on nurturing each other, to raise us up from being infants to being mature. And it has to be focused on looking outside to reach the world and spread the good news. Amen? Amen. Now, let's go a little bit different practical, sorry about that, practical way. And churches come in all different shapes and sizes, right? Churches do things differently. And, and there's, really four, there's really four core ways in which churches operate. And it has to be balanced. It has to be balanced in which they operate because if, if you become dedicated or, or honed or focused on only one, you become imbalanced and you, you miss the core mission of, of God's purpose for the church. So let's talk about that. So the first type is the house church. The house church. This has gained a lot of popularity recently because the house church is, let's go back to what, the way it was 2,000 years ago. Let's go back to meeting together, doing life together, getting in the word and just, just being together, it's organic. It can be something beautiful in that, that you are having these, these experiences in home and small groups and everything else, the house church. But, but what can happen with a house church, if that's your sole focus, is the organic doing life together, you can actually discover that it's not a church at all. Because if, if a house church has to pre-qualify someone to, to join them. 
or the group has to vote on whether someone can come in. That's a small group. That's not a church. Because one of the core purposes is ministering to the world, helping people find Jesus, right? And so churches that are balanced, they use the small group model for that. And there is a way to do a house church in that way for sure, but you just want to mention that that, that, that can happen. The, the second kind is the attractional, the attractional church. The attractional church is something that's very important because it's, frankly, how do you get non-believers to come to church on a Sunday when they have all these awkward experiences in church, right? So, so in, some, in some way, a church, a healthy church, has to attract non-believers to fulfill the mission. And so there's different ways in which you do that. You do it through having great worship music, right? You do it through having dynamic speakers. If I do something, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Caleb's over there. I'm talking about Caleb. Uh, things like that. But, but that attractional. But what can happen? If that becomes the sole focus, attracting non-believers, then you might miss on helping people grow, helping people learn how to follow, helping people mature. And what can happen in a church that's only focused on the attractional get non-believers here is that as people are trying to mature in their faith, they say, man, I need to go somewhere that, that you know, they're teaching like deep stuff, deep theological stuff. And I need to go somewhere that, you know, then you use big words like our expository and exegesis and da-da-da-da-da-da and, and all that. And so then they, they find what's called an educational church, an educational church. You need that in a church, but if a church solely focuses on the educational side, what can happen is in an educational church, it becomes closed off. It becomes so focused on, I want to teach our current flock. And so it's classroom style where, where the pastor is teaching like seminary level lectures and folks are coming in with the Bible and commentary books and other things like that. And, and the focus is on caring for the people who are currently here and it can feel like if someone is visiting, that maybe they're not welcome. Maybe they're inter interrupting. And, and, and maybe they're not prepared or equipped for it. And so they feel isolated or alienated. And so you have to strike that balance. And then the last one is missional. Missional. Any good, balanced church has to be missional in going out and serving the community and the world. Right? That is helping the poor, helping the homeless, helping widows and orphans, you know, social issues, things like that being relevant in that regard. But when a church says that our ethos is just that, that's our sole focus, what can happen is that the people who call that church home, they feel like they have to. They become obligated to, and they're doing so much that nothing's being invested back into them, and they face burnout right? And so you have to strike that balance. And, and, and honestly, and, you know, one of the things I love about the Point Church is we, we do strive for that balance. You know, a few years ago, we, we, Deanna led us in, in creating a new grow group model. Um, and that grow group, the fundamental mission is, is doing life together. And, and so I really encourage you to be part of a grow group. You can go on the website and you can access a grow group. But we also have events and we have classes that are available too. And tomorrow, another plug, tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. up at the lodge. It's Manday Monday. Manday Monday, 6.30 p.m. We're going to have the three F's that every man needs, right? Food, fellowship, and fun. Food, fellowship, and fun. We're going to have those three F's. So, so come. Don't have to sign up or anything. Just come and we're going to do it once a month just to get together right? And ladies, there's going to be one, I believe it's on September 9th. 
is when, when there's going to be a ladies' event that starts. But, but doing life together is a core principle of a balanced church. On the attractional side, I go back to, you know, as a church, we, we try to be attractional to folks, too, in, in the sense of our worship and our focus. Educational, you know, we try to bring some Greek into, into the sermon every once in a while, right? Bring in the euangelion, you know, those type of things so that we are, we, there is depth to the teaching because we want it to be real and relevant and so on and so forth. And then missional. You know, we do Christmas for the fort, focus on the fort. We do Christmas palooza. We have folks in El Salvador, well, on their way, actually, right? But those type of things. We've, we've had people go to Kurdistan, Dominican Republic, all over the world. All over the world, right? And, and that's, that's, that's what we are. That's our ethos. And it's all informed. It's all informed by our seven core values as a church. These are seven values that, that the church put together years ago, years ago. And I want us to go through these because it's about understanding who the point church is, right? And... And, and so these seven values, they all start with R because you have to have alliteration um, in churches, but they all start with R. And the first one is real, real. You know, we strive to be real. We don't want any pretense, any masks or anything else. We want folks to come as they are, come as you are, because this isn't social media, right? Social media is where we try to put on the best version of ourselves, right? And, and oh, you know, had such a fantastic day or whatever. No, we want to be real. We want to we want to build relationships so that folks can be real and come and, and get the help they need, the support they need, the care that they need, and those type of things. And, and the hope is that as we grow and mature, that, that that realness on Sunday morning spreads throughout the week, right? That's, that's the point. We try to be very relevant. You know, we want to be focused on current issues, and we want to talk about real practical solutions because the Bible... The Bible is, is the living and active Word of God. And so in any situation today, the Bible is still relevant. The Bible is still relevant. And so we want to talk in terms of how the Bible applies to the issues of today. Because we're talking about how do we take God to the culture? How do we take God to the world so they understand how God informs everything? We are relational. Relational. You know, I, one of the things that I gravitated towards when, when we first started calling the point home is the hugging culture of this church. That was, that was foreign to me. But pretty quickly, I'm like, I want, I want to hug people too. I'm not much of a hugger, but I, I want to hug people. And the hugging culture, the relational culture, that, that really it's about doing life together and being together. And we want people to feel loved when they come here. Honestly, in uh, John chapter 13, Jesus tells us, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we strive to show that day in, day out. We're redemptive, redemptive. We know that our God is a redemptive God. He redeems us. He redeems culture. And one of the things like I love, I look at, you know, December 25th was a pagan holiday. And God said, I'm going to take that back and that is going to be the day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, right? And we try to live that out here at the point with, with even our worship music. When we do a special song, it could be a secular song. And the hope is that, that when, you, when you hear that song on the radio or in your iTunes or whatever, that, that you think about the message that was related to that song, that you think about the church instead of thinking about maybe some of the other things that are out there in secular music and things like that risk-taking, 
risk-taking. If you were here a few weeks ago, you know that we do not take risks in children's ministry. No, we do not take risks in children's ministry, but we take risks all over the place. I mean, we've talked a few times about our team in El Salvador, going to El Salvador. You know that the United States Department of State issues travel advisories for countries. You can go look up a country and it'll, it'll issue a travel advisory. It's on a four-point scale. El Salvador is a level three. And do you know what they say about traveling? If you're planning to travel to El Salvador, they say, this is the travel advisory, reconsider travel. Reconsider travel. Because it's risky. It's dangerous. It is one of the most dangerous countries in South America. And the reason they say reconsider is because of the homicide rate, because of the, the rate of kidnappings and things like that. But, but Todd and Deanna are leading that group because we know that there are people living in that every day. People who are struggling with this every day and they don't know that they have Jesus standing right there with them, right? And so that team, tomorrow, they're gonna be going door to door in El Salvador, telling people, sharing the good news, the battle that we're in, sharing the good news and sharing the food that you all prepared for them. That's how we're risk takers. We're reliant. We are reliant. We, we are a church that we want to be reliant on each other, reliant on the community of other churches, just like the, the, the prayer vigil that we're going to be doing down at, down at Electric Works. That's a community of churches that have gathered together and are relying on each other to pray over the community on a regular basis. We're reliant on the Holy Spirit. But, but I'll tell you, my wife and so many other ladies um, here at the Point Church, there's a ladies group, and not a week goes by that there's not somebody who reaches out in that group and says, I need help. And my wife is, my wife is, is and so many others are, are taking food to someone um, because they've been injured or, or they're facing an issue or taking other things and just helping, helping because we know that we're reliant on each other. And, and so if you're not connected to that Facebook group, if you're not connected to the men's group on Facebook, get connected because we want to be a church that relies on each other. And then finally, reproducing. Reproducing. We firmly believe that a spiritually healthy church reproduces spiritually healthy believers. Or stay at this, spiritually healthy, healthy believers reproduce spiritually healthy believers. And that's what we're called to do, and that's what this whole series is about, this, this helping people find and follow Jesus, is, is how can we help reproduce, reproduce ourselves, reproduce that faith and love in Jesus Christ. And, and i got to tell you the other thing, as I, was, as I was praying over this message, you know, there was, there was another another R that came to mind. You know, we, we heard the update from Britt and, and we heard Josh just talking about this season that we're in of, of looking for a senior pastor. And it's been over a year. But this church, all of you are resilient. Resilient. Because all of, there's so many people who have stepped up in such big ways. The staff, our staff is doing double duty on so many things. The pastoral search team has given their time, talents, and, and just, just their heart and soul to this process. Like Britt said, you know, they have, they have a 32-page document that, that the candidate poured his life out onto that they have to comb through and they have to pray over, is this who God is leading us to? Volunteers the unsung heroes on Sunday mornings who are giving of their time and volunteering to keep us going, to make sure that the tech is running well and, and everything else. We have 
All of you. All of you who have been resilient in this season, trusting God and trusting the process, trusting our pastoral search team and trusting the board so that we are seeing that growth. Because a healthy church, a healthy church is a mix of mature believers, growing believers, and infants. And so when we see this, our church is so healthy because of all of you, because of your commitment and your love for what God is doing here. And I just thank God for all of you. And and if you're here for the first time or, or you're still feeling it out, man, you're stepping into something awesome. You're stepping into something beautiful. I love the Point Church. Amen? Amen. Now, the point of this message, though, is to lead into the rest of these four weeks. And so I really want to challenge you to be here, to be here, to see where God is calling you next, because I want you to ask yourself, am I in that infant stage? Am I I relying on others to feed me? And, and how can I get to that next level? How can I get to that next stage of spiritual development? Am I in that adolescent, young adult phase where, man, I'm, I'm feeding myself, but I want to grow in knowledge. I want to grow to be a strong follower. Am I in that mature stage? Am I in that mature stage where, man, I got it down. I know my prayer time. I know my time in the word. And I got that regularly scheduled. But now I need to ask myself, how can I help feed others, right? And so that's the challenge through these four weeks is is our team is going to be talking with you about how to equip you to go to that next stage. But understand, none of this is possible without Jesus Christ. None of this is possible without Jesus Christ in our hearts, in our lives, because it's only him. We talk about being fed or getting fed or feeding others, but we know that Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the one who feeds us if we open our hearts and let him in. And so that's why at this time, I want to go to a time of communion, a time when we remember what Jesus Christ did for us, when we remember his sacrifice and and, and just to thank him for what he's done. And so um, if you have the communion elements, um, let's go ahead and prepare them. These are the awkward time of, of opening them and everything else. If you, if you don't have a communion element, raise your hand. And we have ushers coming around. Okay, I see some over here on the left. I see one in the, in the tech. I see one right here in middle row. Number of hands. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we're going to go to this time. And I want you to, as we're going through this, I want you to think about Jesus' role in your life. Because maybe right now you've, you've been going it alone for a while and, and it's time. It's time to open the door and let Jesus in. For some of you, you're in that stage where maybe you're still able to compartmentalize parts of your life and you want to keep Jesus out of these rooms. It's time to open those doors too. It's time to let Jesus bust down those walls because that's what he wants to do. And for some of you, it's just a matter of what's next. What's next? What's next for me, Jesus? And so it was at the Last Supper that Jesus said to the disciples, I have eagerly been awaiting this time to eat with you. And he's saying that to each and every one of us. And so it was at that time that he took 
a loaf of bread. He broke it. And he blessed it. And he gave it to the disciples and he said to them, this is my body. Given for you, do this in remembrance of me. And they ate. But he didn't stop there. Because he then picked up the glass of wine and he held it up and he blessed it and he handed it to each and every one of the disciples and he hands it to each and every one of you and he says, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins and they drink. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for everything you've done for us. Jesus, it's, it's sometimes hard for us to, to understand and, and fathom what it is that you did for each and every one of us. But Father, we believe and we know that you died for us. And that out of it, every sin, past, present, future, everything we will do in the future, you know and you have forgiven us. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you. And, and we thank you for this church. We thank you for the big C church that, that is here. And we thank you for the point church. And God, we just pray that you, you show us where we can plug in. Show us where we can step up. Show us where we can help. Not, not at the Point Church, but anywhere, God. Present us with opportunities to serve you more. Father, we pray that, that you help us to, to feel your presence, to know your love, and to live our lives according to your will. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Appreciate it. Give it to you. Steve. All right. Steve, thank you so much. God bless you. Man. Thank you. Thank you.